Season two is nigh, ladies and gentlemen. Greg Koch here, Chewing the Gristle podcast. It continues unabated. We got some powerful musical friends lined up. We're talking guitars, music, food, aliens. It doesn't matter. We're just chewing the diggity doggone gristle. Coming up next on Chewing the Gristle, good buddy of mine and one of the finest pickers to be found anywhere, Andy Wood. You've seen him and heard him with Rascal Flats. He himself is a rascal. He can chicken pick it, he can bluegrass it, he can metalize it. You name it, he'll do it. Don't be afraid, but be afraid. Andy Wood, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are once again, another installment of Chewing the Gristle. And I'm here with my good buddy, Andy Wood, a guitar-playing fiend of the highest order. And one hell of a nice fella. And we have a good old time whenever we get together. And we're going to be getting together again relatively soon for another installment of the Andy Wood Woodshed Guitar Experience down in the Knoxville area of Tennessee this coming August. First of all, Andy, how the heck are you, my friend? What's happening? Hello, music lovers. Yes. It's good to be here. Coming at you live from my house in my studio. And you got that fancy-ass new microphone. Dude, I have, I have. Uh, shout out to my my lovely brethren over at AMS. They uh, they saw that the iPhone just they didn't like the iPhone. They're like, dude, you, you you need better. Do this. So they led me to the path of glorious podcast microphones and lighting things of this nature. Oh, bless their hearts. That's yeah. very nice. Good folks, good folks over there. AMS um, yeah, man, good, set you, know? you up. It's like anybody else. It's like we're all at home, you know. So you just got to make the best of it. We are at home, are we not? The the legendary orange room, I see it. It is the room Lorange. This is a different angle that, that most people don't get to see of the uh, opposite side of the room. This is the side where the computer is at and then the the other skullduggerous utensils in order to create the steaming, piping hot, squalid gristle that we do here in Orange Room. And uh, But now for this advantage, you see various um, religious trinketry with uh, Tibetan murals and things of that nature. I got an angel thing up here. I'm trying to hedge my bets, Andy, is what I'm doing. I'm just making sure I got all, all the bases covered just in case I got to do battle with the forces of evil, if you know what I'm it's saying. It's like a real life version of the coexist bumper sticker. Well, I don't know yeah, about all of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's the little thing of everything. Yes, exactly. You are correct. It's a, a little bit, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I'm all about the coexistence. Column A, little column B, you know? I, I am with you, my friend. So what's been going on? Last time I saw you, we were together in beautiful... What's that? What was it? What that? What was the official town's name? I can't remember. It's it's weird because it's it's in between Cookville and Crosswell. It's a private property. I always say it's about an hour out of Nashville. Oh, there you go. About an hour out of Nash. We had a good uh, old time, did we not? Man, uh, getting to stand up there and and hear all of the fire breathing notes fly out of all of you guys' amplifiers was amazing. It was so fun, and and I have to say that like. I, I'm bringing back the Friday night audible jam where we just call tunes. Cause that was super fun. Like that was good times. Yeah. It was so, good times. Super fun. It was just fun to hang. Yeah, especially it was, it was 
in the midst of uh, these strange times, and we were able to pull off an event that w- that went off safely. No one, as far as we know, we didn't, we didn't have one case. You know, which is I think fantastic. that's the thing. The advantage of having like that big outdoor area, everything was separated. We could do the classes like in small groups, all all rotating around. And it was so cool that like Joe brings in like the half a gazillion dollar guitar rig with the 59 bursts and the dumble, and he just let people play it. He's like, here, man, you ever played one of these? Here, don't drop it. Right. <laughs> that, was my, that was my favorite thing he said. He said, have you ever held one of these? They're like, no. He goes, have you ever dropped one of these? <laughs> <laughs> so let's keep that perfect record, you know? Exactly. Um, but man, it, that was, that was really cool. And, um, you know, just, gosh, I just love, I love, I love to hear you guys play the guitar. So, you know, it was super fun, man. But outside of that, it just grinding away. Uh, we hit the one year anniversary of my little, my little woodshed podcast thing I do on YouTube, which was fun. And last week I got to play the legendary Ryman Auditorium for the first time to an yeah, empty I saw house. That. Now, what was, <laughs> what was the, the, it looked like the, a lot of the, the boys that I, uh, saw from yeah. when we got together, Travis and uh, and Jim, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So those guys are th- who I worked with in the Rascal Flats camp. And uh, Gary LaVox is the lead singer of Rascal Flats. And the Flats guys have been just kind of chilling out, you know, enjoying their immense success over the course of 20 years. And Gary's always wanted to do a uh, kind of a praise record. That's how I would word it because a lot of the Flats lyrics have inspirational, motivational undertones anyways. So I think Flats fans are going to hear it and think, yeah, this is awesome. It it doesn't sound like any drastic one way or the other. You know, it's not, it doesn't sound like the, the, the worship music you get Sunday morning when it's put your hands in the air. It's not You know, it's not that. It's it's stuff that's a long. Not that there's anything wrong, dude. I mean, hey, man, everybody likes what they like. You know, I don't like onions. You know, so I don't eat onions. You know, but what I was saying is like the thing is is like if you love the stuff like Broken Road and and that kind of thing, it's that kind of thing. So that led Gary to want to do a live stream, and we got to do it in the legendary Ryman Auditorium, and because of the COVID. Isms, uh, you know, there's no people there, so they filmed backwards, much like you're doing today in your orange citrus environment. And uh, delicious, yeah. They, uh, it was so cool. You know, I mean, it's like I've never stood on that stage, and as as a, as an artist, I've been there hanging or whatever. But sure. like, and uh, you know, it was gosh, it was. It's not eerie, but it's like reverent. You know yeah, what I mean? I can walk in there and like, all you just see these photos of like Elvis or like. Right. You know, Roy Acuff. Right. You're just like, holy crap. The gang. You're just kind of like treading lightly, just pretending not to leave too much of a carbon footprint on the legendary, you know, <laughs> the legendary theater. It was awesome. But, you know, it's crazy because outside there was all these tornadoes and stuff. And it was just like, oh, it was that man. night that all those storms were going down in Nashville. And, oh, man. I don't know if you know uh, young Sadler. I'm not really, I don't really know Sadler, but I follow him on Twitter. He plays. Right. With- yeah, yeah, yeah. He said something. His, his tweet was like, hey, do you like monsoons, storms, and bombings? We got the town for you. I was like, God, Sadler, that's dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but, you guys uh, have certainly, you know, Nashville has certainly <laughs> had their share of- uh, My gosh, dude. Pestilential activities. Yeah, it's uh, it's like the last act of Ghostbusters. That's <laughs> just coming off the rails, you know? <laughs> but it was Where's so- Where's the Stay Puff Marshmallows, man? Yeah. What did you do, Ray? That's right. <laughs> what, what just popped in your head, Ray? <laughs> Except it's like Mother a- Mother Puss Bucket. 
it's like an 80 foot version of Dolly Parton or George Jones or something, you know, that's there you the, go. The next Nashville. Uh, but no, it, it really was awesome. Like you said, Travis toy handling the Dobro isms and Jim Riley doing like kind of a percussion thing. And I don't know if you know the musician, Mike Hicks, um, Mike has Not personally uh, fa- fabulous keyboard player and has played, I think with, uh, I think he played with Johnny Lang or Kenny Wayne Shepherd or one of those one of those bluesier cats for a while, and then a he bluesman. did a flats gig. And he's got all the lovely gospel chops, where it's just like harmonizing the harmoni- harmonizations to the harmony. You know, he's kind of. Well, would you mind? Would you be so kind as to walk us back to when you first got involved with the Rascal Flats? Yeah. Um, speaking of the gospel chops thing, uh, there's a guy named Kevin Wilson who used to do a thing called uh, Guitar Summit. And it takes place in North Carolina. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's a lot of your heavy gospel cats. You're talking Isaiah Sharkey, Eric Walls, young Mark Letary has vis- ventured over there. Um, all, the, all the cats that do that kind of thing. Right. And uh, I was there, and Travis was there, and we had known each other for about 30 minutes. And Kevin's a very chill guy, and he's like, why don't you cast play together? And we're like, dude, we don't—what what do we mean? We, we don't know. It's like, we're looking at each other like— Sweet Georgia Brown, uh, isn't she lovely? I don't know. Like, what do, what, what do you want to do? Right. And uh, it ended up being a really cool vibe. And there's actually footage of it online. And 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 the fun thing is Travis and I had known each other for maybe an hour. And then we're playing on stage together. And the playing was, it just vibed. You know what I mean? When right. you have a good gig and the vibe's there and there's like a cool energy. And so fast, uh, fast forward over the course of several years, I uh, was doing my gig. Tra- Travis had been with Flats and done that for a long time. And I think three or four years passed. And then for whatever reason that I don't know, the Flats guys wanted to rearrange their backing band. And they had previously had a fiddle player and a utility guy. And so they wanted to like move away from that and do just one utility guy. And so everybody in the band picked a dude. And Travis picked me to come in and audition, and uh, that's how I got got in the door. And then we did a lovely eleven or twelve months together. And then uh, that's about the time the Flats guys did the stripped down thing, where they didn't do any utility, no, you know, no extra guys. And then the next year, I think, or the next year or two was the uh, the announcement of the twentieth anniversary, and kind of slowing things down. And now that, uh, Gary's doing this record, you know, there's a need for a guitar player. So Gary called me and that's, that's, I I love working with those guys. I mean, I've since even outside of, uh, the flats gig, Jay has called me for sessions. I'll tell you, you'll like this cause you got great sense of humor. Jay hits me up. He's like, Hey, Wood, what are you doing? You know, next week or whatever. And I was like, I don't know, man. He's like, I need some like big chuggy metal stuff uh, doing a movie. And I'm like, okay, what is it? And he's like, man, it's like a zombie wrestle movie. Like the wrestlers uh, in- inject roids and the roids have zombies in it, like zombie virus in it. And we need some like Tom Morello wildness to the house. Like I am so there. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to do that. The, the guitar playing on that movie. And uh, it was really cool because at that moment, like Jason Schaff from Chicago was tracking something. And he come over to like hang out. So it's just, you know, it's just the vibe with that family of, of you know, pickers. It's always been really, really cool and really, really fun to like just work with. So that's, yeah, I yeah, guess yeah. that's my story. Yeah, that's my flat story. Excellent. And that's all good. It is very good. Yeah, things are good. That's a, that's a mighty large beverage you got there. And I want to applaud you for it. 
Well, I'm trying. Uh, I've been so unhealthy over COVID, as we all have. And uh, now that now that uh, it looks like uh, there's a gig sneaking out right and there, it's like, well, you better get back on the water, A. Wood, and hit the gym. And Isn't that like the truth, somebody. though? I, I'm in the same way. I've actually got... Uh, Got some dietary uh, supplements coming. A buddy of mine was online and lost a bunch of weight. Horse tranquilizers? That's what I'm going to use. Well, this, well I, did, I did Weight Watchers once before, and I lost a bunch of weight. You know, I lost like 50 pounds, <clears throat> which was great. And I kept it off for, you know, a good three years. And then COVID hit, and I've been like, yeah, whatever. I'm just, <laughs> just going to feast. And cereal is really a hard one for me. You know what I mean? It's like. That's your jam, cereal? Oh, my God. I love cereal. Uh, just. Okay, mine's well, mine's like rice, like Indian food. I want all the rice. Oh, I, I dig all it. All the rice, you know, just like. Well, pasta is another one. You know what? Usually we don't eat, you know, under normal circumstances. I stay well away from rice and pasta. But during COVID, all that stuff has been back on, and we do, we came up with this new um, variant. Sorry, that's probably an inappropriate word. Uh, a new a new different kind of spaghetti sauce, and um, and so we've been making homemade spaghetti again. And 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 then you're like, oh, I like pasta. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> so, and you know, like a Thai food, you get in there with like some kind oh, of I love noodle Thai food. or something. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, come on, give it to me. Pudsey so, you and Pad Thai. Yeah, and, oh all yeah, all the pads are coming for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, so my my beverage is just a big old jug of water to help flush the demons away from my my lovely system. I'm with you. I am with you. And the only problem with that, too, is that I love drinking the water. You feel good. It definitely is effective. But you, know, you got to pee all the time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You and know. when you're going for your walks and you're like, oh, my God, I got to get my exercise in. And next thing you know, you got to make sure that there's lavatories that you can. Yeah. And through. the guy next to you on the treadmill next to you is mad. I get it. Yes. <laughs> Can you dig it? Well, you know, last time we were conversing, we were, um, you know, as far as like just shooting the breeze and whatnot, we were at Wildwood and we were showing a couple of cool Andy Wood Sir guitars that were in a beautiful orange tone hue. Oh, buddy. Delicious. Yeah, that was, an ex- that was fun because that was just an exclusive thing we did with the fine Wildwood folks. Yes. Wildwoodians. Um, that yes. was a, and I actually really, really liked that color. That color came out great. Um, orange on Telecasters has always done it for me. It's a powerful tone hue. And like, it's like weird because, you know, I, I like a lot of those like Fiesta oranges and like the chrome tangerine looking oranges that look like the Lamborghini paint. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And it's cool because like maybe, maybe there's like a, uh, uh, some kind of like framework that was built in with Buck Owens and Don Rich playing <laughs> the wild colored Telecasters that tellies never look weird when they're in like a, a vibrant color. That always right. looks really cool. Like you can have like a Smurf blue telly with a white guard and it always somehow looks cool. Exactly. Uh, but, but you put that on a different shape, you know, like the modern or the Ibanez shape. It's like, I, it, you get kind of what, what's happening here. But telly yes. seems to have some like, they've got some like uh, chromatic immunity, <laughs> I guess yes. you would say. Yeah. That certainly yeah. does seem to be the case. Like a telly really, you can get as bold with the color as and it just always seems to work. Like, yeah, I mean, like the one of the simple elegance of the design and the utility right. of it. It's like uh, one of my favorite telly players is Jimmy Olander from oh, yeah. and he had a yellow one with a checkerboard pick guard. And then he had one that was kind of a paler yellow. I, 
air, call it blonde. I don't know what the original format of the color was, but it's got Mother Maybell Carter on the pit guard. Oh, yeah. And it's, and it's like, it always looks awesome. And you would put that on literally at any other guitar, put that same thing on a Stratocaster and it would be like an eyesore. I don't know how there's like this immunity to Telecasters, but I love it. I think the Telecaster is the guitar by which all men should be judged because it is an honest creature. It is dangerously it is honest. Without question. It so is what's a- your favorite color on a Tele? Well, you know, I do like that orange, uh, but I, you know, I've always had a thing with Sonic blue, like a transparent sonic blue, because over time they always mutate into this kind of greenish blue. Yeah. Um, and that's always been one of my favorites. But, you know, I've, um, I've always, my first telly I ever had when I was a youngin was a, uh, was a blonde 68 telly. And there's always been a thing about that. You still that. have it? So, I don't. I sold it to this, this guy. You know, I, I went through this phase where I was playing at 335. I still loved the telly, but to me, it was one of those things where I used to have this demarcation in my brain. Either you were in a single single coil mode or you were in a humbucker mode. And there wasn't like interchanging. It was like a it was like Hot a conversion. That's it. Exactly. And so at this particular phase, I was like, well, I'm humbucker guy now. And okay. so the telly was just kind of collecting dust. And I sold it to a buddy of mine from back in the day, and I think he routed it out for humbuckers, and I was just oh. horrified when I heard that. Oh, wow. uh, so I don't even know where that guitar currently exists. But I do remember what I love so much about that guitar, and really those tellies from that era of late 60s, because I've noticed it when I've played like an old um, like Paisley telly from like 69 or whatever, is that the, the neck pickups have this really cool, you know, glassy neck pickup thing but it lives really well with the bridge pickup and it's like the the total perfect onboard channel switching you know what i mean you work up the solo on the neck pickup building it and building it and then you go into the back when you're ready to go into launch mode yeah and it just is this perfect cascading level up to destruction yeah and that's what i always loved about those era of telecasters that they did that so well whereas the 50s ones you know it, it, there can be a pretty strong demarcation between neck pickup and bridge pickup you know yeah, because they had the system going on exactly yeah yeah so the, my first telecaster was a late 90s uh maybe even mid 90s gunmetal blue with white, which was a really cool color that Fender didn't offer for a long time, but they offered it in the 90s. And uh, at that moment in my life, I was obsessed with Sam Bush and Bela Fleck and Tony Rice. So that Telecaster sat under the bed for years, for years. And I I got it when I was 12 and like, I I never played it ever. And so I had bought the Mark O'Connor uh, new Nashville Cats record. Oh, yeah. and I heard I heard Brent's solo on Pick It Apart, and it's very much like the Family Guy episode of when Stewie hears the banjo for the first time. <laughs> like, what is this glorious sound I must learn? So I was like, I think I have an electric guitar. I'm like rummaging around, throwing baseball cards and stuff, you know, over my head. Get the get it out. Put some strings on it. Didn't know what I was doing, and and off to the races. And uh, yeah, so yeah, the the first one I had was that, and then the second one I had was a uh, a, a B-bender telly, and I put most of my learning years on that telly. Uh, it's the one that I did the guitar Mageddon competition on, and everything, right. just like the one. So I had. Had it like Brent's with the single, the Strat, and then the mini humbucker in the front. And I had the whole deal. And I had the Bender in it because I love Jimmy Olander. The funny thing about that telly was I ordered it from Fender in white. 
you know, and we know that Fender has good years and bad years. And at the moment, <laughs> Fender, for whatever reason, sent me a black one. Ah. And I was, it's like, this is literally the farthest away from the color that I wanted. So I pick it up out of the place and it was over in a little shop in Knoxville and, and, the guy's like, hey, man, we'll send it back get you know. And I played it, and I was like, well, it's not going back. Like, I'm afraid I would get a white one that wouldn't be as that good. That wouldn't be as good, right? Yeah. yeah, so I stayed the course with that black one, and it went through three sets of frets. And now it's actually with uh, Luthier in Nashville, Dave Graff, who I love. And he's like, I'm really afraid to refret it again. He's like, it's to the point where it's like only glue is going to like hold the frets oh. in. So uh, I talked to talk to guys over at Fender and they said, man, we'll get you another neck and put that neck on the wall or something. But yeah, it's, it, it was, it's, it's, there's a coolness to being like, well, I've chewed up all the wood. In this right. <laughs> Away know? with that and send me a new one. So there's a coolness to that. And, and, you know, yeah, nothing like a swamp ash body and a maple neck. Like that's yes. my jam. That Absolutely. is always, that's always my jam. I've played other, uh, you know, alders and I've played some of the George Harrison rigs with like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. With all Rosewood, yeah, yeah. the Rosewood thing. And, uh, young Nick Johnston has one with some kind of, I want to say it's Wang gay wing. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's a neck. And it's always cool. But the moment I play one that's swamp ash and maple, I'm like, that's, that's that like immediacy. And I always oh, think of that too with like, like the Van Halen tones, even though it's not the same thing. It's like, there's something in that like punch of maple and ash. It's just always so forward. You know, I always love that combination, you know? So that's, that's my Absolutely. love affair with Telly's. Sorry to hijack. I know uh, that's all good. These are, these, <laughs> these are all good things. I have noticed that, you know, when I started doing the, uh, stuff with Reverend is that I, I do like uh, the maple and, and Karina is a, is, a, is a cool combination because Karina is kind of in the neck, uh, the body. The so body. the body's Karina and then the, the, the neck is roasted maple. So that, that's a nice combination as well. Another, another one that I, I like quite a bit, um, a guitar I uh, nabbed quite a bit to do various different sessions and whatnot out um, in Colorado. And then I took it to a NAMM show one year and played a bunch of stuff that was a Wildwood 10. It was a 62 Tele Custom, so it was, an, it was an ash body, but with a rosewood fingerboard. And that worked, too, because you still had the that poppiness first, of, of the ash. My, that was my gunmetal. It had the, that, that rig on it. Yeah, and, and that, that feels pretty you, good, too. That's, and that has – it's just got a little bit less – Less spank, but yet it's still it's still in the wheelhouse. <laughs> that, that's kind of like that's gonna get you. And I mean, this is so so like not accurate, but like it can, that's like when I think of Robin's tone, right? That's like what my ear sees, even though that's not you know because Robin gets a great Telecaster tone that my brain doesn't associate with Teletone, right? If that makes sense, Absolutely. it's very much like Josh Smith. Josh gets this really great Teletone that like. My ear will never not hear like Albert Lee and Brent and and that thing when somebody says the word Telecaster. Right. So when I see other guys play tellies that don't sound like that, it's always really fun. And I think that's always been a big inspiration for me is to like push guitar tones and telly tones into an area that like I don't just typically go, for, you know, that I don't typically associate with. Right. That's kind of where my, my world lives of like blending a bunch of the the rock and fusion stuff with the redneck stuff. Yes. Make my own little pot of gumbo. Indeed. And it's a flavorful gumbo, my friend. A delicious treat. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> 
We interrupt this regularly scheduled gristle-infested conversation to give a special shout-out to our friends at Fishman Transducers, makers of the Greg Koch Signature Fluence Gristle Tone Pickup Set. Can you dig that? And our friends at Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, bringing the heat in the shadow of the Rocky Mountains. So let's talk a little bit about what else you've been doing during during the Cove. So you've got your your podcast you do. You do a bunch of different content on, on YouTube. What, what has been uh, kind of unexpectedly fun for you during that? Because, you know, we, we do different things, but, you know, sometimes the thing we didn't really expect would yeah. do anything is kind of the thing. Easy answer. Patreon. Oh, there you go. So here's the thing. If a man is creative, you know, he can develop a revenue stream from anywhere, like podcasts. You know, we see young Daniel Donato really wearing out the podcast game. And, you know, you got one here and like in uh, gear videos like Sean Tubbs, Pete Thorne, like you can get creative with revenue. So I don't want people to think that I'm saying Patreon because that's a paid subscription. What I can do with a paid subscription, though, is create a more communal vibe. When you when I make, I, I'm not, I'm going to be very specific to me, not the proverbials. Uh, I'm going to say like when I make a YouTube episode of the woodshed that I do once a week, that could be a lesson. That could be a behind the scenes at the Ryman like I did last week. This week I'll be out, out of town doing a gig down in Florida. I'm going to do some stuff for that. It, it's always this kind of thing, but it's not really personal. It's like, hey, I, I, I do it on purpose. Hello, music lovers. If you like music, you might like this. It's just like a broad spectrum. However... With Patreon, once people are in a, a controlled environment, and by that I mean like when I post, they get a notification. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, some stuff's up. It allows me to do things that are a lot more interactive, like Q&As. Like somebody can be like, post, send me a clip of their playing and be like, hey, man, what do you think about this and how am I doing this? It's like immediately I can post back. And it's a lot more instantaneous. It's a lot more interactive. So even though one person may ask a question, the answer goes to all of my patrons. Another thing that I can do on there that that is exclusive and fun is I could do a weekly masterclass on Zoom. And that's very different than you know booking me for a lesson because a lesson is more expensive one-on-one or whatever. But if you come in at a tier that allows you access to the Masterclass, you get four of those a month. And so you can have a topic one week and bring it back with answers the next week. You see what I'm saying? It's like there's a lot more of like ebb and flow that I find um, a lot more difficult to do on any other platform. And the only way that I think I would leave Patreon would be if I doubled down on my own domain and created servers and stuff to run it all on that website, like uh, maybe Tim Pierce does. You know right. what I'm saying? But the, there's, a, there's a nice thing with Patreon in that they've got all of the infrastructure already built and it's a trusted platform. So there's a lot of bonuses there too. You know what I mean? So, but I think the thing that I have enjoyed the most from it is the community vibe and, and like really creating a living, breathing woodshed that lasts longer than the three-day event. You know what right. I mean? And lasts yeah, yeah. longer than the... 18 minute episode you see once a week on YouTube. So it's like, it's a lot more of that thing. And then of course there's licks and morsels and Hey, I'm like yesterday I was listening to ain't no, t- uh, ain't wasting time no more, you know? And I've been obsessed with the faux slide, faking the slide. That's really been my jam. And, uh, I was like, Oh man, check this out. And then so cool within 
a couple of minutes, there's people already like digging in and like clawing at it on a level that's different than posting an Instagram clip or posting a YouTube clip and then getting comments on it. Because right, I, right, right, really, right. I can't really interact with another video like I can on Patreon. Of course, I could just keep posting to YouTube and just have all of, all of it piled up, but that takes away um, that person who goes to the comment may not see that second video, right? That's really the, that's what I, that's the benefit of doing it in a platform like Patreon. And I've been surprised at how rewarding that has been emotionally. This year has been a very emotional year. I lost my granddad and uh, my granddad's the one that got me started playing music when I was five years old, you know, and the Patreon community, uh, they all just were, it was like I could, there was something there that helped the grieving process in that these people, you know, they loved to hear my ramblings about my granddad. You know what I mean? Right, right. And that's very different than typing up something on Facebook and just putting it out into nothing. I look at platforms like Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, like taking a note, writing it, putting it in a glass bottle and shoving it down the river. Whereas I look at a platform like Patreon, I wrote a note and I handwritten and I handed it to somebody. That, that's that's my best analogy. I'm I like it. I like. I, I have yeah. not done the Patreon thing yet. I've. It was interesting. I I had talked with. Um, I don't know if you have too. Have you talked to Dweezil Zappa at all about his his new platform that he has? Yeah, I did, and that seemed really interesting to me. Um, I know he was really getting some things rolling on it, and that's kind of where the conversation kind of just chilled. Right. Out. Well, and one of the and I've been. Well, you know how it is. Like you you. One of the things is you got to, um, uh, his is called reward music and it's, it's, it's kind of an all in one thing. So you, it functions as a Patreon, but it also functions as your website. It functions as your streaming service for yeah. all of your recorded material. It could be, you know, so that's, so, that's, that's where I was talking to Weasel. I was like, man, I just spent all this money to do this on my website. And I was like, I've kind of got right. it. And, and that's the hardest part. It's like, I've that's got my website. Part. I've been doing it for years. I know people know we, we got the system down. It's, it's, yeah. it's hard from, from it's that. Hard. Yeah, it, but know, it's, it's, it's an interesting time though, because I don't know about you, but it sounds like you're, you know, what, what you're talking about with Patreon and, and engaging with folks and so on and so forth is that I enjoy interacting with people, but you know, I do these four live streams a week and my, you know, everyone's situation is different, which is which is great, you know. Um, great. So I, I do two for Wildwood a week. I do two for Fishman a week, and then every other week I do uh, something with the band, which has been really great. I mean, people have been very generous. We, we play and we we make you know money that is commensurate with what a good night would be at a showcase club, you know. And so that's yeah. all great. And then that drives more people to the website and so on and so forth. But I try to be as good as I can about. Um, uh, interacting with questions and so on and so forth. And I'm, and especially I'm in the moment when I'm reading this, you know, the restream thing. So I'm on several platforms at once and I'm reading the questions on restream and I try to be as interactive as possible. But sometimes I just get so beaten down by it's the same questions over and over and over again. And I totally understand it. I'm not judging. Because that's coming the, from a new person. Exactly. It's a brand new person coming in. They don't know what's going on, but you're like, okay, well, let, let me go through and it that's again. Where, that's where something like running a platform like Tim's or a Patreon or a Dweezil platform, you can be like, hey, check out this episode. You can even right. just put link, bam, you know, and that's 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 a nice thing to have built into the infrastructure of the of a community. And right. you touched on something that's really important, which is uh, you have a lot of different platforms. It, it, 
you notice that there's people that just prefer certain platforms. It, absolutely. You have people that are just like, I just watch YouTube. And right. you have people that are like, I only watch Facebook streams or people that like, I only watch the studio live things like what you and Timmons do that's a little more performancey. Now, I've only delved into that lightly. I, and most of the time I haven't. There's something about not doing it with live mus- musicians that like I, I have a hard time connecting um, with backing tracks. I, sure, I sure. always have. It's always been something where it's like. It's, yeah, it's sterile. It's, it, it's, it's always the same thing. And it's right. really cool. And I think maybe if I did, if I created an art that was more similar to like Polyphia, where they play the same thing every, like there is no improv. It's the same thing straight down. If I did that kind of thing, maybe backing tracks wouldn't feel so uh, stifling. Yeah. Just, just holding, holding the thing. Like, dude, when we jam, like you, like it woodshed, man. It's like when the solos come around, I want to I want to stretch them legs and and, right. and either and either hit a home run or get you know st- or strike out. But it's like there's something fun about that. It's like my favorite performances are like Eric Johnson live at Austin City Limits. That's not the album version of Cliffs at all. He's but he's lighting it on fire and it's amazing. Right. Like like there's something about that that's always been magical to me. And that's probably going back to the bluegrass roots. You know, like right. that's that's probably where that comes from. Like something I seek. So I think maybe it's just in in. And that we all make different stuff. And then when the when it, the parts move unconventionally, you know, we have to react to that. So, <clears throat> so, but, but, you know. It's interesting though, what you're, there's definitely different cultures on all the different formats. And, oh. and there is some cross-pollination, but there yeah. are definitely people that watch you on YouTube, watch you on Instagram, watch you on, on, on Facebook. And then there's a Twitter culture as well. And, and sometimes never the twain shall meet. <laughs> I do that on purpose, Greg. Like one of the things I do is my Twitter page will only occasionally get a guitar thing. And usually my Twitter is more revolved around like sharing my thoughts on other musicians. Like the other day I said, he's never going to admit it, but Jason Isbell is probably one of the greatest songwriters of the past 50 years. And by probably, I mean, definitely, you know, and then like, that's the kind of stuff I tweet that's music related, but that's like only like 4%. My Twitter is basically video games and cars and sports. Like it's the place where I can be um, a consumer and not a creator. Right. You know what I mean? Because I think that's something that's very important that we lose track of, especially, I I guess I'm going to like maybe hand this information out to the the young guys coming up in the game, young young guys and gals that are dipping their toes into posting on social media and trying to expand their music and brands. I would say it's always important to remember to, you know, take a little. Don't just don't just like only exist to make stuff because that's an easy way to get burnt out. And we've all felt it. I don't have anything to post today. Like I can't wake up today and like every day can't be shred deck or, or right. like or right. a pinnacle moment in something that I've done. Like every day is not that day, you know? And, and I think that's, that's where you get, um, you can let the evils of social media get in your head, you know, a little bit. And I think what's important to like balance that out is go to another platform and just be a consumer. Just, just, just take the stuff in. That's not the thing that you're making all day long. You know, I think that's super important. I can dig that. I can dig it all. Yeah. It's interesting. The, uh, you know, it's it's just such a um, 
interesting survey when you go to the different formats um, and, and checking checking different things out. Uh, I think it's incredibly inspiring sometimes to just to just uh, hear you know you know come across a video of you playing or various other different people are doing some cool stuff and to me sometimes it's just the just the littlest thing you know that somebody might do that I won't you know necessarily want to cop verbatim but it just opens up a door you know what I mean and 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 that's why it's really fun from from that level and so I, I you know I I don't really get negative vibes per se from from um from instagram in general uh you know every now and again someone someone will say a comment that you kind of scratch your head about like what but for the most part it's just it's just kind of is what it is but i i find what you know kind of what you said earlier was interesting about the message in the bottle thing because i find myself a lot of times you know if i wake up in the morning and i like before i go for a little walk i'll just you know, maybe grab a guitar and do like a little looper thing for the fun of it. Off the cuff, boom, 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 out the door. And I might check in here and there to respond to some things, but for the most part, I, I'm I'm gone for the rest of the day doing whatever else. And um, testament and- to who you are and who you are as a player, like not blowing smoke. Like you sit at the round table of elite when it comes to a skill set on the instrument, and I, I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. And I think um, that that that's an advantage to sending the bottle down the, down the river. I think, you know, uh, if you don't sit at the Greg Cock round table of lead, it's a little easier to get in your head, your self-esteem about your playing. Uh, but that's just my opinion. I think, I think it's maybe something you don't see in, in when you look in the mirror, but like, man, you're, you're, you're an absolutely terrifying player. So it, it is, I can understand how it's easy to put the message in the bottle. Oh, and send it well, down is it coming from it you? I appreciate that because you are a frightening, <laughs> frightening son of a bitch. Well, Andrew. I mean, like, it's like, I, that's the, that's the thing that I think you were saying too, when you get online, you look at all the guys that are, that we like to just listen to. Like the moment I hear Ariel Poston post yes. something, I'm Beautiful. just like, I don't know what it's going to be, but I know I'm going to like it. Like, yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and, you know, some of my favorite stuff that uh, that my my favorite players post these days is less produced stuff. Right. I'm enjoying a lot more of the instant in the moment camera stuff. And now here we are. We're like, I got the big camera and I just bought a new or the big microphone. I just bought a new camera. I'm trying to upgrade uh, my visuals for that side of things. But, man, there is a magic to like what it sounds like just off the off the strings and off the hands like I'm absolutely and I'm glad you brought that up because that's you know that is something that occasionally because I 99% of the videos that I'll do on Instagram is just either with the phone or the iPad and but I have a whole system where everything's mic'd up and, and that's what I use for the streams and so on and so forth but to your point I, I just I kind of like the the kind of old west kind of just room ambience sometimes it's overdriving the microphone i think it's the way it should be you know what i mean at least to me that again that goes back to like here's my sending down the river that's yes later it's like that kind of thing and uh it's funny that that this is kind of morphing into a little topic here with us because i did an episode on mental health and 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 social media because i had so many people on my patreon like sending me messages like man how do you deal with it every day when you get up and you feel great about guitar and then you get on Instagram and 10 minutes later, you're like, I never want to play that thing because I'll never be this good. And I was like, hey, man, make peace with the fact that there's an unborn human somewhere in Asia that can already play 
Steve Vai songs. Like, just make peace right. with that, that. That the level of talent is freakish at this point, you know, and then go about it. And then, like you said, enjoy the things. But it is, it is, it is interesting. And I think maybe it wouldn't be such a hot topic, but the fact that we're all stuck in our houses and the only social right. interactions we've had is this. It's like a little bit perfect storm to get in your own head and create your own demons, you know? Right. Well, you know what? What I find is interesting is that, you know, having um, having been on the planet now for <laughs> a day a or while, two. Right. Um, it becomes more. Um, you know, and I've talked about this on a few of these things, but there, there's this level of of competition that people who are not really in kind of the uh, industry as far as being a professional person who just understands you do the best you can, you have multiple income streams, you're doing, you're, you try to create stuff that me is meaningful to you, you try to keep it in the moment, and you're, and you're not really worried about what this other guy is doing because all you can ever really do is be yourself, right? So no matter... You know, we might play the same song and it might be a chicken ping a thing or whatever the case may be, but you're going to do it different and I'm going to do it different and that's all good. But there seems to be, uh, I think, in the eyes of a lot of observers is that someone's got to win. You know what I mean? And that to me yes. is just, I'm just so, it's like, first of all, as I like to say, I'm the Greg cockiest guitar player on the planet and that's okay for me. <laughs> I love it. And, you, and it does, right. you know, and no matter what, and, and it's, and the more I start playing and the more I'm, you know, obviously during this particular COVID thing where you have really have a, channelized, uh, a, a, a chance to analyze your own playing in a way where it's just like, well, you know what? I like the shit where it's just kind of good vibrato and lots of holes and, and there's just kind of a, a vibe to it instead of any kind of schwedling. That's the kind of stuff I like to listen to. That's the kind of stuff I like to play. Uh, but in an Instagram world, I'm always amazed by the fact that if I post something, I'm like, hey, that sounds pretty good. I like that. Is the stuff that doesn't get as much traction as the yeah. more incendiary thing. Yeah, yeah, and I don't really give a shit one way or the other, but it's just interesting to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> It is interesting, and I think a lot of that comes from the way that um, now I'm gonna it's, I'm gonna use my turn to sound like an old man yelling at a cloud. I think I think uh, <laughs> I think it comes from uh, the way that people learn guitar that are just getting into it, and and maybe not just getting into it, but they're getting into the the Van Halens or the Dream Theaters or the like that moment. Used to be learning the super difficult stuff was a longer process that had to be digested by a rewind button. Right. And now you can have Ben Eller teach you under a glass moon, note for note. You know what right. I mean? And, and like, and so what that leads is a is a different mentality in the uh, the guy sitting on the other side of the screen where he's like, okay. The achievement is to, it's a video game and now I can play this level and now I can play this level and now this level has unlocked and now right. I can do this. And the reality is, is like you end up looking at it in a level format, but the moment you're on stage or uh, in front of a camera like you and Mark Letary at, at Woodshed and you have to be yourself, you've got nowhere to go. Because your 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 best bet is to hold on for dear life and to regurgitate 
you, you haven't discovered yourself is what I'm getting at because you've been looking at it at this unlocking phase and it gets, and then I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole, but it gets into the, some of the stuff that's like hyper edited and mimed or, or oh, yeah, 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 yeah. it's like, that's a whole other box where it's like, how is anybody supposed to do that? Well, the answer is not because I got didn't do it. You know what I mean? It's like, like if anybody wants to jump into that and have some fun, just go to Levi's Levi Clay's channel uh, on YouTube. He he will he will tell you who is really playing and who's not. And and Levi's accurate. Like it can't be disputed because Levi's man of facts and science. Um, but they, once that's involved, now you've introduced a third component into it all, and that's where it gets into this level. One guy has to win, one ring to rule them all. You know, kind of stuff. And that's that's kind of crazy to me and right. i think at this point going back to woodshed it's like man when they asked me to put that event on they i said only one one only way i'm going to do it is if i can pick the line up and 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 they said well what were you basing on i said i just want to hear guys that if you hand them a guitar and they start noodling it's awesome like i don't want to go with anybody that's like they can't jam the jam and the and that is so important to me because that is the truest moment of one's persona on the instrument. Right. Uh, you know, Tom Quell said it uh, really eloquently, as he does most things. He said that uh, improvisation is composing in real time. Right. And, and I love that. You know what I mean? Because it is. And sometimes you have a great composition. Sometimes it's not so great. But I, I think there's a magic to the way he thinks about that. And he's a great improviser. I mean, he's one of the best on the planet, you know. And that's what's really important to me. And and if that doesn't check your box of musical fulfillment and your box is only checked by, you know, can you play too many notes, note for note? And then can you play crazy train note for note? And can you – it's like if that's your box – that's awesome. There's enough world for everyone right. to enjoy the music exactly. as they see fit. What's not awesome is when you use your boxes to demean somebody else's boxes. That is not okay. Like seeing people get online and just bash other things. And nine times out of ten, you go to their pages like, well, you don't even do any, you don't even make stuff. Right. Why are you hating on that guy? Exactly. <laughs> like all he's like, what are you doing? You know? Exactly. <laughs> So there's a lot of layers to it. Um, at the end of the day, I think it, maybe just with my background, I just love to to pick up the guitar and start playing. I love it. And and I love to do it with with other people. I mean, you and I have been lucky to jam several times. One of my favorite moments is when we sat at uh, the Diodario booth at NAMM. Like, oh, that, was, that a, was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Couple acoustic guitars, couple of kooks, just, just going for it. Just crazy guys, just having some fun. I thought that was so cool. No, That's the way it should no, be. No expectations of songs and 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 no pre. Hey man, what do you know? I don't know. Let's go. Yeah, I thought that was so fun, and uh, I, I I like that kind of magic. But and I think that's that is one of the benefits to YouTube is sometimes a lot of those magic moments can be captured and 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 reshared. It's like, Lord man, if if Derek Trucks got a dollar from every time I've watched a video of him playing, I mean. <laughs> buy a mansion just off of me you know <laughs> yes indeed i understand and it's those live moments that really are so fun yeah so you know well you know it's kind of an interesting subject too is how going forward you know is is going to be maintaining this online thing versus of saying okay well now people can gig again you know what I mean? I'm sure there'll always be uh, like for me. It's like you know these the the band coming to my house every other weekend and lighting it up and playing is a blast, and we make good dough, and we don't have to worry about 
you know, going someplace and setting up at some hellhole and all the stuff. That's doing. But yet we still want to do all that other stuff. It'll just be interesting to see what kind of a cross-section of activity there will be once things kind of return to to normal. You know what I mean? I do. Uh, I think that turns into another topic uh, that's that holds its hand, which is what do you miss most about being the person buying the ticket to the concert or being the person on stage. To me, there's nothing like playing for people in a room. I mean, that could be just a small group of people at my family's Thanksgiving, and there we are playing old country songs and bluegrass songs. That, but there, that feels a certain way. There's nothing like being on stage in front of 150 or so people at an Andy Wood show. Maybe if I'm lucky, I have 500 on a good night, you know, at an right, Andy right. Wood show. And there's nothing like being in front of 20,000 at an arena playing Rascal Flat songs. You know, it's like they all have different energies, but the one thing that they have in common is that there is the person making and the person receiving in right. the room together. Like that is its own magic. Now, dude, what we live in is a miracle. I'm a tech geek. This is so f- cool that we're able to do what we're doing right now. It's unbelievable. I'm not right. going to stop. But what I will, what I intend on doing is blending the two and doing things like what I did last week for the Woodshed episode. It's like, hey, I'm here. This is the window into what I'm, you know, here's, I'm using the technology to kind of bring the thing that I'm doing that everyone can't be at. You know what I mean? I, I don't see myself um, doing a lot of in-studio stuff once I'm back out in the game. Right. But I'm going to keep making digital content. It's right. just going to be from on the road. Like, that's how I intend on doing it because, man, I, I freaking love playing for people. Man, one of the last gigs we did was Ship Rocked. And it's this big rock thing with, like, Alter Bridge and all these oh, yeah. And it's super cool. And and if anyone knows Mark Tremonti and, and Miles, they're they're guitar nerds, man. Right, so right. It was like great camaraderie in the in the realm of guitar. And uh, obviously they're both <laughs> freaking incredible at their craft. Right. And like uh that's the last gig, one of the last gigs I did before the thing shut down, you know, before everything locked up. And I thought, man, I was on a boat for five thousand people playing junk town. Like that's incredible. I can't wink we good wink wink. Can we do that next week? Like when, when right. can that, thing, when can can that happen it? again? Yeah. What do we got to do? Can we, can we get, can we get the press on the phone and just make that happen next? You know, it's like, but I understand that, you know, it, it's a slow burn and who knows when things are going to come back to like, but I'll tell you this, we are fortunate to deal with it in the two thousands versus, could you imagine this locking down the country in the sixties? Yeah. Yeah. No way. Right. You know what I mean? Like, forget that mess. You know what I mean? So we're lucky to at least have access to our favorite players and our, our music in, in some form or fashion. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, it's uh, it's been, you know, b- being able to do all this stuff virtually has been obviously obviously a lifesaver. But uh, I'm looking forward to going out and playing in front of some humanoids. There's no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing like that symbiotic thing of playing live as you said there's uh, uh there's a, a a congregational magic that happens there that um cannot be uh, quantified and man when you get i know your band they, there's a band of everyone having big big ears you know and if you're playing with a band like that and somebody plays something and you hear it and it's magic and you're talking to each other and the audience sees that happen that's the trifecta of greatness. That's the triforce right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is like when 
there's not a drug, there's not a drink, there's not a high on the planet that will recreate that feeling of like, this just happened and we made it and they freaked out because it happened and we all did it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's the addiction, man. I think that's what keeps all of us old, uh, you know, all of us live players kind of hanging on and ready, counting, counting the minutes, you know. That's it. So let me ask you this. What's on the what's on the docket in the next few months here for you? What's happening this weekend? We are stepping out into the fold of a live show again for the first time. Excellent. Uh, I, I noticed that uh, I was really paranoid about it, but luckily there are a couple of brethren out there on the road that have done it. Like Joe's already played a little bit. A couple of people have already played a little bit. And and the festival we're doing is Planes, Trains, and Music in uh, Tavares, Florida. And it is the Kennedy Wood Band. You met Dave Kennedy. Uh, yeah. At, at the woodshed. He, he sang the lovely mountain songs and what have you. Yeah, cool. Uh, Absolutely. We're going down there and playing our tunes. And uh, we're going to do a couple of covers because last year took a lot of our heroes away. So we're going to do a John Prine cover. And we're going to do Finish What You Started by Van Halen. Uh-huh. Because that's that's the southernest Albert Lee-ish moment of Ed's work. That's true. Yeah, you know, because we can't go out there um, and, and do Unchained or something because it doesn't make sense with what we do. But, like, Dave knows how much Ed means to me. And I was like, and he was like, dude, is there one song that will fit? And I was like, I think Finish What You Started will be fit. So we're going to play down there. It's an outdoor festival. So it'll be nice and like. Yeah, spaced out. Uh, yeah. Spaced out. And I think a lot of people are starting to get their pokes. So I've been poked. You've been poked. I'm, I'm counting the seconds. I, I'm like on a waiting list to get my poke. Um, but that's on the immediate future. I'm super hyped for that. I got a call for an audition with a big artist. And uh, I, I would love it if they, they hired me. Um, because it's not not a ton of dates and the artist is really cool and they make cool music. So I'd like to do that. And, uh, Gary has some things he's cooking on. So there's our, there are some, like, I've got little, little pots simmering on the stove and man, honestly, I'm, I'm trying to keep my work ethic high, uh, on, on Patreon and woodshed and all the things that I've got, but I have 50 demos. (laughs) So I have a new record if I can just, right. Carve the focused time out. And that's really important because I'll have an hour here or there, but I don't have focused time. And when I dig into albums, I'm sure you're the same way. It's like, I don't want to be distracted. I want to put the blinders on and and, and dig in. So I have enough meat and potatoes here to, to make a stew. I just need to get the time to do it. And I think that's something I should be thankful for is like the, you know, not enough hours in the day right now, which is a blessing in today's environment. So Absolutely. a lot of things, hopefully this weekend goes great. Um, I enjoyed playing the festival, uh, before pandemic and, uh, it's a really cool festival. And there's another band called a thousand horses. They're, uh, uh, signed on, I, I can't remember. They're, they're signed Nashville pop country kind of thing and they're playing on it. And so I think it will be a delightful weekend of live music and, you know, awesome. Play some, play, play some Kennedy Wood songs, play some John Prime and I like it. Have a good time, you know. I like it all. Well, great. I'm so glad we were able to spend some time today and shoot the breeze, chew the gristle, if you will. Man, I and miss you, Always dude. good. Always I miss you, too. To I can't wait to get together with you again. I'm looking forward to our uh, 
um, are reuniting at the Woodshed Guitar Experience. Folks, you can check that out. What's the website if they want to sign up? It, it is woodshedguitarexperience.com. And uh, I think our early access goes on sale this week. Okay. It might even go on sale today, but I'm not sure. Um, I know it is in the it's in the immediate future. If, okay. if this today, sounds like this, this probably in, won't go on for a few weeks yet. So it's okay, April seventh okay. today. Okay. Folks, just, so, yeah. just it, FYI. Yeah, you'll be able to sign in. Wishaguitarexperience.com. Right now we have the lovely Greg Cock. We have Mark Terry, we have Andy Timmons, yes. and Robin Ford with special guests uh, to be arriving that I can't disclose, but some some very special guests. So excellent. Well, thank you so much, my friend. You take care of yourself. Always a pleasure. And uh, we'll see you on down the road. All righty. Thank you, Greg. Take care, guys. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, folks, for tuning in. Special thank you to Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, and the Mighty Fishman Transducers for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed yourself, ladies and gentlemen, please subscribe and review so that people can get the word out that this is worth experiencing. Can you dig it? Thanks again. We'll see you soon, or you'll hear me soon. <laughs> <laughs>